Welcome to episode two of the Primary Pod, focusing almost entirely on politics. The show Primary Source airs on New England Cable News from 7 to 8 p.m. and it re-airs again at 11 on NECN. We're out of the Boston area and it's been fascinating because we launched the show really through the lens of the New Hampshire primary. So we're going 24-7 until February 11th and we'll see what happens after that. <laughs> we had Elizabeth Warren this week came out with her proposal finally with some numbers on how to pay for it. One thing we like to do on the show, I am not a millennial. I am an old white male. And I, when they wanted to appeal to millennials in the show, they said, what do we do? We go to Brian Shackman, who's not a millennial. He's a Gen Xer. But I love politics, so I convinced them to let me do the show. But we're going to bring a lot of different voices in. And w- one of the amazing things in the newsroom at NBC10 Boston and NECN is that there are some still some real old school journalists, even if they are millennials. And we want to bring in different voices and different perspectives. And today we want to welcome in Michael Page. Hi. Hi, Michael. So here, if you don't know who Michael Page is, he's a meteorologist, uh, went to Penn State, uh, but he is a a millennial, but B he is a consumer of all news. There's a couple of different people in, in our newsroom, in our, our meteorology, our meteorology department, our weather department, who are news junkies. It would be you, in my opinion, and Matt Noise. Absolutely. Are, a lot of times, people don't know this that when a news story breaks. Oftentimes, we get it from Matt or Michael, who are the first ones to see it on social media because they are immersed in it all the time. And so Michael and I have talked politics for years now. I love it. And and he is willing to come on the show <laughs> to talk about it. Well, a lot of people in our business are, are hesitant to talk politics because they don't want people to know our our opinions and you being in the weather department don't talk about these things much on the air maybe there's a little bit more license about it but we're not getting too too personal so first of all thanks for being here glad to be here so as a millennial i I just want to know first of all you know and michael has a bit of an old soul how do you view the whole presidential race before we get to anything trump related i mean have you been watching the primary and the democratic candidates and to what degree have you been doing that i guess i'm a little surprised actually i thought going into this the primary process was maybe going to be even more partisan i was ready for nothing but trump bashing and obviously there's a lot of things said about the president that aren't all that favorable from the left but from someone like elizabeth warren I thought maybe she was even going to be a little more extreme, and it seems like she's tried to tone the message down a little bit from my point of view as to what I was expecting, at least. The message against Trump? Yeah, it's interesting. I thought it was going to be even more extreme than it is, and it's pretty extreme, don't get me wrong, in terms of her voicing her opinion against the president. But I actually thought that she was maybe going to be a candidate that moderates wouldn't even want to consider, and it seems like maybe she realized, like, okay— I might have to look at some moderates if I were going to win, if I got to that point. So I personally thought she was going to be even more left than she already is. Do you support her? I don't know. If you're not ready to say yet, that's fine. I do have a choice of who I like. Personally, very personally, I like Pete if I had to pick someone on that side of the aisle. I'll be honest. I'm an independent personally. So, you know, I don't know who I'm going to vote for for a president. We haven't gotten to that stage. But of the Democratic choices, I personally like Pete. Well, let's talk about Pete because he is a millennial. A lot of young people are gravitating toward him because, listen, he'd be the youngest president in the history of this country, and there's a lot of young people that are gravitating toward him, uh, not necessarily for that reason, but they, it is nice that someone is that accomplished, that honestly measured and mature, 
as a leader, listen, he's the mayor of a city of only 100,000 people, but people look to him as sort of a calming influence, which I find amazing. But you you talk about Pete this week. He He's basically shot up in the polls. He's, I think he's ahead of Biden in the most recent poll in Iowa. Week. He had a great week. He was the first to register his paperwork in New Hampshire. Uh, he had a very strong performance. You bring up him in the lens of Elizabeth Warren because he really pushed back on Elizabeth Warren on Medicare for All. And Warren came up with her numbers, and we're going to talk about that later in the podcast. But he, he went after her in a way that worked. Warren got on her heels. She wouldn't have come out with these numbers if it weren't for Mayor Pete at the debate pushing her on it. Is it just because Pete is young? I mean, what about him is appealing? Not to say that you're going to vote for him, but why do you yeah. like him? No, it's interesting because my dad asked me the same question, actually, when I was with him a couple weeks ago. He didn't know much about Pete, and he's like, so why are you interested in him? A, I do like that he's a little closer in age to me. I feel like he's a little more in tune with what my generation is concerned about going forward. That's just one thing, because that's not to say I don't think Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders couldn't be a good president. That's ridiculous. I don't think age is you know, a factor. But I think it's important because he's a little bit more in tune with what people of this age think. One of those issues would be guns. I actually personally like hearing from someone who has used high-power weapons in war, is familiar with it, talking about how he doesn't think certain guns should be right. used in America. Now, again, I'm not saying you don't need guns, but I'd rather hear that opinion from someone who's used the guns than from someone who hasn't. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he knows more than I do. That's like, I would come to me for weather instead of you. Right, he's got credibility in that sense. And I and it's funny because it's the same with foreign policy. Because he served, people look at him and, and say, he's got credibility in foreign policy because he's served overseas and he's the mayor of a city of 100,000 people. And you know what? I think that there's something to that. I mean, I'm not saying you can solve every foreign policy issue, but you know, it does make you a little bit more well-rounded. And the other thing is, I actually think the fact that he's a mayor... Sometimes I think mayors or governors, governors. more than senators, totally. they run things. They have to balance a budget. The what, the elephant in the room with with Pete is, you know, the, everyone talks. I've learned so much in covering this twenty four seven. You know, people say he's got no support in the African American community, and originally people thought that it was because he's had some issues with police involved shootings in South Bend, Indiana, that didn't work out so well. But it turns out there's also uh, a real homophobic aspect to his lack of support there. And I guess the the question that you just would well, you have to be candid about it is, you know, can America elect a gay president? Are we ready for it across the country? Here in New England, especially in Massachusetts where sure. we're sitting right now, it's not even an issue really. It doesn't seem to be, but nationally it it would be. Do you think we are ready? I think when you look at millennials, for sure. And I think this is like so many social issues that this country has faced. You get a little distance from some of the really bad times that we've had, whatever the issue may be. And, you know, future generations just grow up and look at things differently. I think millennials look at being gay or lesbian totally different than even my parents, who still support it. But it's just looked through in a totally different lens. Right. So I don't see that being an issue, maybe not in this election, but going forward. I think this block of voters, millennials... Won't care. I think, honestly, what I want to hear from whoever it is, Democrat, Republican, and how often do we say this, but it's like over this impeachment stuff or whatever, I don't want to hear Republican talk about what the Democrats said and why that's awful. I don't want to hear Democrats just bash Republicans. Like, I almost rather not say the other party's name. Right. Just tell me what, what you're going to do for me and how we're going to fix it. Yeah, it makes total sense. This is all uh, obviously from our show, Primary Source, which airs Monday through Friday, 7 p.m. on New England Cable News. Before I let you go, and this is fascinating, 
just the conversation because a I I think you know I I respect your views. We've talked for years off camera about it. What are your friends talking about in terms of like in, whether it's certain other candidates or issues? Because you're not the spokesman for all oh, millennials, not. but like, what are the conversations when you do talk about this stuff at the bar or at dinner with your cohort? Honestly, it's a lot about money. I'm very fortunate that I have a really successful career, and I've been blessed with that at a young age, relatively speaking. But so many of my friends have good jobs, also have good careers. They're not getting a paycheck that allows them to pay off their student loans, or they're paying sky-high, ridiculous rents, and they're not saving any money. So many of my friends have no savings. And again, I'm incredibly fortunate that I'm not in mm. that position at the moment. But I would say that's honestly the number one issue most people Money. are talking about is can't pay off their debt. Or if some people had parents who paid for their college, they still can't save. Like you didn't even have loans and they still can't create a savings with a good job, whether they're journalist friends I have, whatever the case may be. These Because they're, is, is they're not making enough money or the cost of living so high? Both. Definitely. I mean, you know, I have friends who are making... Well, I won't disclose their salaries, but yeah. you know they're just clearing their bills because they're paying sky-high rent for this teeny little tiny studio or whatever. So then what issues are important to them? Is it taxes? Is it uh, free health care from the government? Or are they not even thinking politics at, at all? They're just trying to go hand them out. I don't even think it's those things. It's just why can I not get ahead? I went to college. I didn't have loans, a lot of my friends are saying, right. and I'm still not – making enough to save and I have a decent job. So what does that say for people who do have some sort of setback or some sort of health problem? So I don't know what they want in terms of lower taxes or whatever the case may be. I think they just look at that issue and they're like, someone's got to fix this problem. All right, Michael, appreciate the time. And now we transition into Medicare for all. Medicare for all. I know I can't sing. I wish I could sing, but I I can't sing. Listen, there's not a lot of rhythm when it comes to this discussion of Medicare and healthcare. I mean, people honestly, I think personally, and I'm going to bring in Rob Michelson in a second because he's a millennial, and today right. is kind of like a millennial themed show. I I don't know about you, Rob, but for me, like healthcare is such a big topic, and everyone talks about it. Until I did this stuff full time, I just sort of ignored it, right? And because it just seemed too big and too, I just tell me wh- who I got to pay, and I, ne- I hate going to the doctor anyway. But now that I'm steeped in it a little bit, I understand why it's important. I see the drag on everyday Americans' paychecks and their their living. And so uh, t- this week we got Elizabeth Warren came out with her plan for Medicare for all. What's it going to cost? Well, it's going to cost thirty four trillion. That's a lot of zeros. That's a lot of zeros. I could use just a million. We're talking not. We're talking thousands of billions. So, mm-hmm. I, it's going to be new new taxes on the wealthy. They say no new taxes for the middle class. Uh, there's a lot of different ways and assumptions that need to be made for this to work. But the bottom line is, she came out with the numbers. Other candidates have not. Um, there's no reason to discuss how potentially realistic it is. I think for everything she puts forth here, it's very unrealistic for it to happen the way she's putting it forth. But she's basically proposing blowing up the system, getting rid of private health insurance, putting it all under one umbrella, and then trying to find a way to pay for it without bankrupting the taxpayer, especially the middle-class taxpayer. So Rob Michelson is here with Brian Shackman here on the Primary Pod. Of course, we have Primary Source on NECN Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. And then again, they re-air it at 11 p.m. And we obviously talk so much about healthcare. But Rob, you're in your 
early 30s. You know, I am in my early 30s. 31. 31. Maybe 32. I don't know. I don't keep track of these things. So, I mean, you're in that millennial <laughs> bandwidth. Yeah. You're your new dad. Yep. And your perspective tends to change there. I'll just ask you flatly, before we get to any Elizabeth Warren number crunching, is, med- is medical care an issue you care about? You know, it's something that I know is important. I mean, I'm like one of those guys, guys. I only go to the doctors once every four years when I right. need to. But I know for my child and my wife and the people that I love, it's important. And I know many people who need medical help and need medications, who are injured, have disabilities. And something like that where, you know, I'm, we want to find the solution. Like, I know it's broken and the but system's do you care, but, Right. Yeah. So you're saying that now you're a dad, you care about it. But you don't have to talk for all of America. I mean, yeah. it comes out of your paycheck. Uh, you go to the doctor when your arm is hanging and you want to make sure your child is taken care of. So as a political issue, it's not an issue for you. Is that what you're saying? I mean, is it an issue for you? I think for me right now, it's when I'm looking at the political landscape, it's basically trying – when I'm, when I'm looking at things, I'm looking at corruption and I'm looking at the power dynamics. That That's the my main thing is I don't want people taking advantage of the system because there are systems that are supposed to work if there weren't people messing things up. You're talking the system in, in general, not just healthcare. Like when you look at political issues, you look at is it being run well? Is there corruption? Right. So, you know, like we, you know, I want our veterans to get taken care of. And so my priority would be, okay, we have the system that gets broken. Okay, well, how can we fix it? Uh, you know, if, if we have this, um, you know, this medical coverage, if it's broken, let's fix it. So, you know, I just want the things that are supposed to work to work. Right. And, you know, and go looking at I, I'm basically looking for it at day by day. I can't look too far in the future with Social Security, all these things that, like, you know, are supposed to be coming my way. I got to think about how can I protect myself, and my family now, get assets for my family now, mm. because as a millennial, we're, we don't trust long term. We don't have long term thoughts about careers. We're just trying to survive day by day by day. That's really interesting, because now uh, I'm 48. All I think about is that sort of medium-term future, educating my kids, and then making sure I have a place to live and three meals a day when I retire. Listen, let's bring in Elizabeth Warren. Uh, She talked about her plan, uh, some of the uh, criticism that she's received from other candidates, and she responds to that here. Give it a quick listen. I have a plan that shows how we can have Medicare for all without raising taxes one cent on middle-class families. But if they have a different plan, then they need to explain how they're going to get the 26 million people who have no health insurance covered. How they're going to deal with the 46 million people who are under covered on their health insurance. Basically, she's challenging people, if you criticize it, come up with a proposal. Uh, and, and, and that's fair. When Obamacare came through, they said that too. Barack Obama came out and said, I mean, you can, you can love him or hate him, right. criticize him or embrace him. He said, listen, if the Republicans have a problem, come up with a counter proposal. And right. they did not do that. And that's where I kind of lost a lot of faith in Republicans. And, you know, in, in, as far as this issue, it's like, okay, Obamacare, it's broken. It's awful. Okay, what, what's wrong about it? Tell us, and then let's fix it together. Let's do the whole reach across the aisle, whatever rigmarole they want to tell us. But I don't like when it's just like, okay, that's, that, that's not going to work. Give me the solution. Yeah. I'm a guy that wants solutions. And the thing is that there's so, such hypocrisy there. And on the show on Primary Source, we'd, I don't take sides. I mean, I let the words and the facts be the determining factors. And the bottom line is, is that you need to have proposals to work on to get to the solution. We talked to mm-hmm. Joe Kennedy the third last week. He basically said, listen, be ambitious. And then the reality is it'll probably be somewhere in the middle. But at least it's something. You're, we're making steps. Yeah. We're making steps. I don't like the whole, well, the system's broken. Meh. I don't like just complaining about it. 
and saying like, well, we just need to like get rid of government. No, we need government for certain things. Let's fix the things that are broken and really laser focus on specific parts like the Medicare, Medicare. Like that's something, oh, I would love that. And for me personally, not so much, but I mean, my baby's uh, needs special formula and that's going to get expensive. So now I'm like, oh, okay. Like, you know, now. Well, so I yeah. mean, it comes to brass tax because you have a job with benefits. Yeah. Would you be okay getting rid of the health care you have based on what you know you pay to go into a government-run system? Oh, that's tough. Um, and it's okay yeah. if it's a no. I don't know. I mean, I'd have to know the details. And unfortunately, again, being, I think with the millennial mindset, I don't believe in the guarantees. There's the, I think you lose that trust. Like, um, unfortunately, being What if I said yeah. you'd get $500 more a month in your paycheck and you would still be covered? Ooh, that would be nice. But it sounds great. And by give me the details, and like right. if it works out, that would be awesome. But you know, it's uh, us millennials. We don't trust the boomers. You know, and, and you know <laughs> yeah. what? You shouldn't. Uh, yeah. you, we're gonna. We've talked last week about this. Okay, <laughs> you seen the OK Boomer movement? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> they, all among all my friends, we're just like, oh gosh darn boomers, <laughs> boomers. Because like the, the thing is, like we always feel like they're like, oh, they complain about, oh, you can't afford this, you can't do that. We'll stop buying so many soybean lattes. And it's like, listen, I enjoy myself some coffee, but that's not the problem here. The problem is that the systems are getting bankrupted by corruption and that there's really there's a lot of systems that are broken yep. and that and we look at boomers like who did this who broke this you yeah know and I mean? for, for me i'm gen xer and and you know the more i i'm studying the political issues i will give you a little slice of my person yeah i'm just sad that it doesn't work better and i feel powerless to change it so this doing this show is actually my way of trying to find a way to get the right opinions out there so people can make better decisions and try to affect change the one thing i will say about healthcare, there is no doubt in my mind that the way the system's currently set up it does not work for enough people so mm-hmm. i mean i'm not for medicare for all or against it but I do understand the arguments of people who say, let's just blow it all up because you can't – Obamacare, for its ambition, didn't work because it was just incremental around the edges of what right. we already currently have. And we have uh, hundreds of billions of dollars in publicly traded companies. So what do you do with that? It's a very difficult situation. But I know that right now there are millions of people who don't have health care or probably deserve it. And I think that's my thing is I just want it, – it's uh, intrinsically. If we were to take out all the details, if I had a perfect system – Yep. Everybody will be taken care of, and the people that need it the most, I don't mind. I, I, I don't like paying taxes, but if I know it's like, okay, it's going to go somebody with cystic fibrosis. It's going to go somebody who has this right. disease, because I want everybody to live a great life. But if you knew yeah. 80 cents of that dollar you gave goes to administration and government costs, oh, yeah. and only 20 cents on the dollar goes to what it needs to do, that's what makes you mad. It, that's what makes yeah. me mad. And when I'm looking at systems and they're not working the way they're supposed to, then I'm mad. It's, you know, and that's where we lose the trust because, you know, we put the money in the system. And when I pay my taxes and I'm looking at the what they're, we're spending money on, I'm one of those guys that's like, I don't like the waste but I don't like it when people devalue human life. Where right. It's like, oh, we don't want to waste money on these people who you know can't afford health care. Well, no, they're human beings. Yeah. I want everybody to live the same life That's I do. so millennial. It's so millennial. <laughs> I'm sorry. I care about people. No. You know? <laughs> and, no, listen. Yeah. Uh, Michael Page was the voice of the millennial for the Democratic primary. Mm-hmm. And Rob Michelson is the voice of the millennial generation when it comes to health care. Yeah. Honestly, it's the, that's the whole point of our show. It's the whole point of this podcast, Primary Pod. And primary source is to bring in voices from every direction. And the millennials could well sway this election. So it's extremely important. So until next week, you are listening to Primary Pod.